This is Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week on how to live well. Shine On is heard all over the world as a podcast, but it's heard first on the radio in New York's Hudson Valley. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On. I love spending time with you. So life is kind of like this, right? It's winter, it's winter, it's winter, it's winter. Bam, it's the middle of June. And it happened again. It's the middle of June, Father's Day and summertime. And we can almost reach out and touch the 4th of July from where we sit right now. Hope this summer is very good to you. Maybe you'll discover some new hobbies, like mushrooms. Today we're going out into the forests, those both natural and cultivated, to grow some mushrooms. Mushrooms? Yes, well, let me explain. In my little hometown of Verplank in northern Westchester, I run a Sunday market. It's just a little market in a beautiful park in a small town right on the Hudson River. And at this market, we've got bakers and makers and artists and growers. Oh, I'm learning all about shoots this season. I'm crazy, crazy, crazy about sunflower shoots. But when they're not available, I'll eat the pea shoots. I guess you would call that a microgreen. And among the interesting people I'm meeting at the Market on the River, Sundays in Verplank, is a mushroom grower from Rockland County by the name of Aaron Hodgins Davis. He recently gave a demonstration at the New York Botanical Garden all about growing, harvesting, and preserving mushrooms. They can be very good for you. They can be very bad for you as well. And what's going on underneath the mushrooms is as fascinating as the many varieties that pop out of the earth. I promise you this, in the next 20 some odd minutes, you're going to learn a bunch and you're going to feel the excitement that runs through Aaron's veins when he's talking mushrooms. How should I introduce you, Aaron? So on my business card, my title is Chief Fungi Enthusiast. (laughs) (laughs) Chief Fungi Enthusiast. I've never had one of those on the air before. Welcome. What do you do on the farm? I do a little bit of everything. A mushroom farm, the name of it is Hodgins Harvest, is a little bit different than like a vegetable farm. People are used to hearing farm and they say, oh, how many acres do you have? But what we're doing is essentially indoor cultivation. We have greenhouses that are temperature controlled, pumped full of humidity, and we have shade cloth and insulation over them. So my main role is just making sure everything runs smoothly. I'm spending a lot of time maintaining the grow rooms. We're creating an environment that's great for mushrooms, which is a fungi, but at the same time, we're creating an environment that's good for all other types of fungi and mold and bacteria, right? So cleaning and staying on top of making sure the grow rooms are clean is, is, a, is a huge priority. I never thought about that. That Well, first right. of all, yes, when you hear farm, you think of things growing out in the sunshine, but mushrooms kind of need the opposite of that. They need damp and dark, right? Right. Exactly. And and you have to make sure, I never thought of this, you have to make sure that nothing else is growing in the damp and dark conditions with the things that we want to eat. Yeah, I mean, there will always be other things growing. It's a matter of keeping them from getting out of control. So a common misconception I hear a lot, too, about mushrooms is people say, oh, they, they, they need to be in the dark, right? And uh, it's actually not true. So they need a little bit of light to know which direction is up. 
but they don't do photosynthesis the way plants do, of course. So they don't want to be out in full direct sun or it'll kind of dry them out. So the environment we're creating is the equivalent of, you know, picture you're in a sort of a thick forest with a canopy and mushrooms you'll see pop up after the rain a lot. That's because it'll rain and then there's a whole bunch of humidity very close to the ground in the forest. So we're creating that, that super humid environment. And yeah, with the grow rooms, uh, on the subject of cleaning, I mean, it's billions of mold spores in the air all around us all the time. Every breath you take, there's mold spores in it. So as soon as you do what would be like a deep clean of a grow room, it's, you know, the next day there's more mold spores in there. It's on its way to becoming full of mold again. But you just kind of slow down the process by cleaning out the whole thing as much as possible and staying on top of that. What do mushrooms grow on or in? Right. So mushrooms grow in a lot of substances. The traditional button mushrooms that people are used to are a dung-loving species. So they're growing on, grown on manure. We grow only wood-loving species at Hodgins Harvest on my farm. And so we use a mixture of sawdust and soybean holes. The sawdust um, would replace the trees that these species would grow on in nature. And then soybean holes are giving them extra nutrition so they grow bigger. A lot of people hear mushroom farm, at least those in the know, and say, oh, it's smelly, right? It's really stinky because the, the traditional button mushroom farms, they're carting around a whole bunch of manure, usually mixing it in with straw and making these open beds. But our mushroom farm, actually, the smells that come out of the substrate are, are kind of pleasant, you know, and we steam uh, a batch of substrate. It smells like hardwood sawdust and soybean holes, which is not exactly a smell of something you'd want to eat, but it's sort of a pleasant, nice smell that comes out of it. Like a musky um, smell. I want to meet the guy or gal who first saw mushrooms growing on a pile of poop and said, hmm, let's eat that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, that was probably a cave caveman or woman way back in the day and, and then a few and a few of them probably ate the wrong mushrooms and died and all their friends kind of learned which ones you're supposed to eat you know right, <laughs> right because there are mushrooms we're not supposed to eat now um i have to tell you the story about my husband he's a contractor sure and right now he's uh working on a, a big house in putnam county and the owner cool. of the house is having my husband install beams mushroom wood beams into his ceiling. Hmm. So what's that all about? That sounds like a terrible idea, to be completely <laughs> honest, because I'll tell you a little bit about wood-loving species and mushrooms, the one, ones we grow, are they're the great recyclers of nature. Their whole purpose in ecosystems is to break down and sort of dispose of dead wood and turn it back into soil, right? Mm -hmm. um, if we didn't have them and you wanted to go on a hike in the woods, it would just be huge tree trunks piled up everywhere from hundreds of years of trees that have died. So you know, I'm not sure there might be more to that story or what the owner is doing. Maybe there's some sort of support or some beam that's treated and then a mushroom mushroom log on the outside. But if you were to actually inoculate the beams of a house with, say, oyster mushrooms, um, eventually in not too, not too long, uh, maybe a, a year or two, those beams would collapse because the oyster mushrooms are breaking down that wood and essentially recycling it. So what I'm thinking is when mushrooms grow on a piece of wood, like these beams in particular, it must leave a really cool pattern behind. So maybe he right. has beams that grew mushrooms at one time, or maybe they grow mushrooms on beams to give them that funky look so rich people can adorn their house with it. I don't know. 
there might be something like that going on. That would be very cool, and I'd be interested in checking them out. Okay, I'll tell them. I'll tell them that. <laughs> um, when it, it rains, and the back my backyard fills up with mushrooms immediately, but there are lots of different kinds. Some look like a right. dome. Some look like hobbits live under them. Some are long and stringy. What's your best advice for uh, harvesting mushrooms in the backyard? Yeah, so I would say a, a lot of people come up to me, you know, when I'm doing any, any type of education about mushrooms and say, oh, how do you tell which ones are poisonous from ones that aren't? And the answer is there, there's not one, one method for it, right? Um, it's all about being able to ID mushrooms on a species-by-species species basis. And it's one of those things that seems really intimidating and scary if you know nothing about it. But if you start to learn the basics of it, it's actually not that hard to, to learn to identify a couple of the easier species and start eating wild mushrooms. For folks that live around here in the Hudson Valley, I'd recommend starting out with something like chicken of the woods. It's like this bracket fungus, which means it sort of looks like a shelf. It grows on primarily oak trees and um, it's bright orange. The season starts up sometime in June and will usually go till October. And when you get it, when it's nice and young, it's um, really delicious. It t- it's got the texture and flavor of chicken with like a little bit of mushroomy flavor going on, of course. So that's one. It's like, you know, if you want to learn to ID wild mushrooms, start off going a mushroom walk with somebody that knows what they're doing. If you look, look one up in your area, there's a lot of people that'll do them and you can just go out, start learning with a person. You can find a Facebook page, like a mushroom identification Facebook page and start learning that way. And you can also get a guidebook and should get a guidebook. And the way to tell mushrooms, the, the good ones from the bad ones are these key identifying features. So an example would be like something called a chanterelle, which the season starts in July, which is this delicious uh, wild mushroom. There's a lookalike that's sort of not necessarily poisonous, but it doesn't taste all that great. And uh, one of the key identifying features of a chanterelle is you pick it up, you smell it, it should smell like apricots. Um, you mm-hmm. cut it open and you look on the inside, it should be white and look sort of like string cheese. And, you know, so you check off a list of these key identifying features when you're trying to I- identify a mushroom. And uh, once you check off two or three of them and you're relatively sure, if you're trying to eat a mushroom you've never had before, and this should go for cultivated mushrooms as well, uh, if you've never had it before, try just a little bit. Don't eat a whole plateful full, full of it the first time. Um, try a little bit and see how you react, because some people have sort of rare allergies to specific types of mushrooms. Gotcha. We're talking to Aaron Hodgins-Davis. He's the chief fungi enthusiast at Hodgins Harvest. Yeah, I'm the owner and what I call the chief fungi enthusiast of Hodgins Harvest, which is a small uh, certified organic mushroom farm in Rockland County. Chicken of the woods, I never heard of that. It's bright orange. It grows on the ground? It grows out of usually oak trees, kind of fallen or or dying oak trees. Yep. Okay. All right. I'll look for it. Um, Can we talk about, I think it's pronounced mycelium? Sure. What is happening there? Yeah. So mycelium is, is fascinating. It's it's really, when we talk about mushrooms, mushrooms are kind of just a reproductive organ for, for fungi, for a type of fungi, right? Um, and mycelium is kind of like the actual life form that would be sort of like the brain and the body of the life form. Mycelium is the equivalent of what you would think of as like a root network in plants. It's this sort of, you know, net, this white net of all these tiny little strands and with wood loving species of mushrooms it would be eating its way through the tree and all intertwined in the tree with species of mushrooms that are growing out of the earth it would be underground through the through the soil intertwined with tree roots and one of the fascinating things about mycelium is that 
it can carry nutrients through it, and uh, different types of plants will actually have symbiotic relationships with mycelium, with types of fungi that are called mycorrhizal, and the mycelium will provide nutrients to plants that they couldn't get otherwise, and it'll pass nutrients and sometimes even uh, communications of sorts between plants. It's this sort of network that's happening underground. And mycelium, you know, I called it sort of the brain and the body because it works its way through ecosystems, whether that's through the trees with wood-loving ones or through the earth, and, and it kind of has feelers out, and it's looking for food, essentially. And, and when mycelium is kind of going through the forest, it's colonized uh, an oak tree that's down, and it's looking for new food. It'll put some feelers out and go in one direction and feelers out in another direction. And if the feelers in, in one direction find a new oak tree that's just fallen down that it wants to eat, it directs all of its energy that way, and sort of like this blob will just move that way and start colonizing the new trees. So it's, uh, it's a really fascinating part of the organism. And like I said, the mushroom itself is something that, you know, when it's, when it's colonized the whole substrate or an area, it'll throw the mushroom up above ground or above the tree, and the mushroom will open up and release spores, and the spores float on the wind to go hopefully create new mycelium somewhere else. So the mushroom is just the way for it to, to reproduce. Mycelium is so freaky so it's bringing yeah. nutrients even to things that are not mushrooms yeah and the communication part but they they they've they're doing research now about trees actually communicating with each other via mycelium that was one of that was something new that i learned from this documentary called fantastic fungi it came out a few years ago that's one people should check out if they're interested in learning more about this yeah who's that guy in that film uh, Paul Stamets, yeah. Oh, yes. I got hooked on his YouTube videos, and uh, it's, it, uh, oh my goodness, it's there's so much to learn. There so is, So much indeed. to learn about mycelium. Yeah, so trees communicating with, with each other, like like what kind of messages would they send back and forth? Um, pests, you know, that there's pests in the area, or, or, you know, there's some sort of danger. That's a whole other area of study that's really fascinating, which is trees, there's like mother trees in nature, so a, tr- a tree that drops all of its seed pods around and then those trees that grow near it in that area would be kind of the equivalent of its of its children mm-hmm. the mother tree will like pass off uh nutrients or, or warnings or messages about other dangers in the area to its to its uh children of sorts i guess right like you know there's a maybe uh, an infestation of some kind so bulk up right. on your nutrients or something Right. Yeah, and trees have actually uh, a natural antifungal activity, right? And they have other, other defenses, I'm assuming, as well for other pests. Um, but one of the things with, with growing mushrooms is the one way to grow them, if you want to do it outdoors on logs, is to use actual like branches off a tree, but you can't cut down a fresh tree and immediately inoculate it because there's a reason that tree didn't have mushrooms growing on it out in the woods in the first place. It's because it has this natural immune system to fight them off. So, um, yeah, I'm assuming I don't know a ton about the sort of the inner life of trees, but I'm assuming that one message a tree could pass off to another is, hey, there's this uh, fungus, like there's these things called honey mushrooms that are a parasitic fungus, and maybe uh, one tree that has that parasitic fungus attacking it might tell the others, hey, this is coming, watch out, you know. Okay. We're talking to Aaron Hodgins Davis at Hodgins Harvest, an organic grower of mushrooms in the Hudson Valley, Rockland County. Who turned you on to all of this? You know, if I had to trace it back, I would have to say it would be my mom cooking me some oyster mushrooms when I was in my early 20s. I think uh, I never liked 
button mushrooms growing up. I just only had them maybe on pizzas when they're all dried out or sort of as slimy little things in, you know, a sauce somewhere. And it, it really was when I first tried oyster mushrooms, my mom cooked them up in some butter, sauteed them up until they were nice and brown and crispy, and then finished them with a little bit of white wine. And that recipe, that very simple recipe, I now I have it on a fridge magnet that I give out at our farmer's markets. Um, I call it the cook em crispy recipe, and it's just a fail-proof way of cooking up wood-loving species of mushrooms. You get this beautiful uh, umami flavor out of them, and, and I eat them all the time like that still. So that's what started me on the path of liking to eat mushrooms. And then, you know, after being interested in eating them, started growing them as a hobby. I think I started off with a grow kit from Back to the Roots, which was one of the original uh, mushroom growing kits, and, and just sort of built it up as a hobby for a few years, and then eventually decided to turn it into, a at first, a side business that I did. And then I, I quit my, my former full-time job and have been doing it full-time for about two years now. Good. Good for you. Tell us about the medicinal purposes of mushrooms. They're good for us, right? Yeah, absolutely. So most mushrooms, including button mushrooms, have something called beta-glucans in them, which are are good for your immune system. They can also be found in in some other grains and various things, foods out there. But beta-glucans are are one of the main compounds that a lot of companies will sort of test for and tout in mushrooms that's good for you. But the truth is there's a whole lot going on with medicinal mushrooms that we don't know a ton about yet. There's a lot of compounds found in various species of mushrooms that are novel compounds, and they're called novel because they exist only in those mushrooms. A good example would be uh, lion's mane mushrooms. Uh, They're these sort of white, furry-looking mushrooms that taste a little bit like crab meat or lobster meat. They have this almondy sort of sweet taste to them. Uh, And there's a lot of research suggesting they're really good for brain health. They're good for cognition, memory, prevention of Alzheimer's and dementia. And the Latin name for those is Heritium arenaceus. And there's a compound that's been named Harrisonones. I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly. And, and the compounds were named that because they can't be found anywhere else but in this mushroom. And whatever those compounds are doing, they have the research that suggests a you know a correlation that with improved outcomes for cognition, but they don't necessarily know exactly how it's doing that yet. So there's lion's mane, which, which is good for the brain, and then there's all these others, like reishi is a popular medicinal mushroom that's great for anti-inflammatory um, immune system. Turkey tail is a type of mushroom. It's not edible, just a medicinal mushroom. It can be found in the woods around the whole Hudson Valley, and it is actually does an extract from turkey tail that's a prescription anti-cancer drug in Japan and China. Um, so it's, wow. it's got a lot of anti-cancer and anti-tumor activity. Yeah. And then one of my personal favorites is uh, cordyceps. For folks who aren't familiar, cordyceps, Latin name cordyceps militaris, is this parasitic fungi. It actually attacks bugs in nature and takes over their bodies and sort of like turns them into zombies. It's really creepy. But for humans, it can give you a lot of energy and it's good for lung health and, and a host of other things, including the immune system. Wow. What's the crazy thing cordyceps do? They take over what? So, yeah, in in nature, we actually grow cordyceps on the farm here sometimes, and we grow it on a substrate of brown rice and, like, pea protein and some other minerals. But when it grows in nature, what it does is it infects bugs' bodies sometimes, and it'll take over their nervous system, and it'll actually control the bug, right? So the fungus takes over and turns them into a zombie, and it starts controlling them. And the reason it does that is because it'll make an insect climb to a high point in the area, like up on a branch or something, and it'll make the insect clench down and to, to hold it in place, and then it'll kill it. 
and the insect dies there, and then the the fungus grows, um, you know, the equivalent of what's a mushroom. It's a sort of tendril-looking fruiting body. It'll grow out the top of the insect's head, and it'll release its spores on the wind so that it kind of goes and tries to infect the rest of that, that insect's colony in the area. Aaron, this sounds like the plot of Stranger Things Season 4. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. I think there's a I think there's a video game out there that uses cordyceps as the premise. You know, it, it jumps to humans, and, and, and we all turn into zombies because of it. So, yeah, that's that's the, the place a lot of people's minds go uh, when they hear about it. But I, I immediately kind of just go, oh, what are the medicinal values? Let's let's make that into a tincture. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. And, and what about the mushrooms that make you go wonky? Yeah, sure. Psychedelic mushrooms. Yeah, I mean, you have to mention those, right? Yeah, I mean, those. that was my actually my first um, introduction to growing mushrooms, <laughs> you know, if I'm being honest. Uh, when I was a teenager, I, I tried growing some of those in my bedroom. You know, there's a lot of great research on psychedelic mushrooms. I think they're incredibly valuable, and there, there's a lot that we can do with them and learn from them. And um, I think it would be good to get rid of this silly stigma around them and sort of treat them as something that's useful. You know, being cautious with them, not using them as a party drug, but also being open-minded and, and incorporating them into your lifestyle if, if it works for you so yeah there's there's a lot more to come on those they seem to be going the way of medical marijuana in terms of their legalization around the country so that's that's some exciting stuff it is exciting to talk about mushrooms with you this is a lot of fun where can people find out more about what you're doing sure yeah we have a website it's hodginsharvest.com that's spelled h-o-d-g-i-n-s harvest.com. We're also on social media, Facebook and Instagram. We do about eight farmers markets in the New York City area, mostly in Westchester County and a couple in the city and one in Rockland County and Piermont, which is sort of our home market. So those farmers markets are sort of our storefront if you want to come visit us or uh, you can find us online as well. Perfect. Is there anything else our listeners need to know this morning? Eat your mushrooms. A few mushrooms a day keeps the doctor away. That's Aaron Hodgins Davis of Hodgins Harvest in Rockland County, New York. And I met him the day we opened the market on the river this season in for play. Isn't he fun? Yeah, he's a fun guy. Truly. So if you hadn't heard the story before about how I came to run an outdoor market six months out of the year, I'm a little surprised by it myself. I'll just share that with you now. My sister Maria and I started a food pantry three years ago. It was in 2019. And, uh, A year later, the pandemic hit, and we found ourselves running a very large food pantry by ourselves, practically, because, you know, we sent all our volunteers home, and because so many people had lost their jobs during those early days of the lockdown, they found themselves in a food pantry. And one day, as we're pulling, like, a couple of thousand pounds of food off the feeding Westchester truck, we looked over at this abandoned baseball field, and Maria said, I wish we could just leave all the food here like a farmer's market. And I said, no, we can't do that, but let me make a few phone calls. Maybe we can have a farmer's market. Maybe we can get people to come outside in the sunshine, distanced and masked, and maybe we can just give people a reason to smile. So I made a few phone calls, and and two weeks later, we started this little market on that dusty baseball field. And then, of course, the following season, baseball came back to the field, and I thought, well, that's that. I never set out to have this outdoor market anyway, but then the town of Cortland said, hey, we really like your little market. Why don't you bring it to our beautiful waterfront park? And I said, okay. (laughs) 
<laughs> so last season was the first season at this beautiful waterfront park. It's called Cortland Waterfront Park in Verplank. It's unbelievable. You really have to see it, especially if you are up and down the Hudson and you know about the train tracks at the waterfront. We don't have those. We don't have the train tracks. Verplank juts out into the Hudson River, so the trains bypass us. We've got this beautiful, quiet, pristine waterfront. And now it's our second season at that beautiful waterfront park, and I'm loving it. When I remember, I bring fresh eggs from my chickens. We have different vendors all the time, and they are just the sweetest group of people. Oh, and we have bubbles. Yeah, bubbles are a big thing at the market on the river. So come and see us this summer, or if you want to be a vendor, let us know about that. Let it shine online.com. And now it is time for our thought for the day with mushrooms in mind. The quote is from Rumi, who said, The earth turns to gold in the hands of the wise. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show, with new episodes every week. It's your time to shine on. Shine on.